Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. It's time for The Deuce with Jimmy Chavez on 1620 The Zone. All the headlines you need in two minutes or less. Izzy Bourne scores 18 points last night to lead four Huskers in double figures as Nebraska wins at Northwestern 78-66. The Huskers led by as much as 22 points in the second half. Alexis Markowski notched her 11th double-double of the season with 11 points and 10 rebounds, while Sam Halby contributed 17 points and 5 rebounds to help the Huskers improve to 14-9 overall and 6-6 in the Big Ten. Creighton men's basketball will host its third straight sellout on Saturday afternoon when the Jays host UConn at 1 o'clock. Limited standing room only tickets will go on sale Friday morning at 10 a.m. at the Chai box office. Student section tickets will still be available for full-time Creighton students to claim at the box office on Saturday beginning at 11.30 a.m., which is when the gates open, which is 90 minutes prior to the 1 o'clock tip-off in case you need any math help there. Saturday's sellout will be Creighton's third home sellout in a row, the longest stretch for the program since selling out the final six games of the 1920 campaign. It will also be Creighton's fourth home sellout of the season. The now 23rd-ranked Jays are at Seton Hall tomorrow night at 5.30, a game you can hear right here on 1620 The Zone. Sean Payton was formally introduced as the new Denver Broncos coach yesterday, and he quickly let it be known that it will be a different day in Denver promising the importance of keeping an open mind on players, a promise of discipline, an eye for details, and a focused pursuit of winning that is not for everybody. Sounds a lot like his mentor, Bill Parcells. When asked if Wilson could conti- or Russell Wilson could continue to have a personal quarterback coach as well as other support personnel to work with a quarterback in the Bilton, Peyton made it clear where he stood. He said he's not too familiar with that. When asked about having his own coach in the building with access, he goes, that's foreign to me. That's not going to take place. I'm unfamiliar with it. Our staff will be here. Our players will be here. And that will be it. Thanks, Jimmy. Uh, Let's welcome in Sam McEwen from the uh, Omaha World Herald. Uh, Good morning, sir. Good morning. The AFC West is getting interesting. Uh, Again, uh, yes. the best division in football. Yes, it is. It is uh, Sean Payton's team. It's the first time in recent memory of uh, hiring a coach with the Broncos that is the coach that is uh, leading the uh, charge. Um, let's talk about the Big Ten West. So the news yesterday coming out of Iowa City. Wisconsin last year, Sam, averaged 26 points a game, and they burned the house to the ground in Madison. Nebraska averaged 22.6, 102nd in the country, and you're like, ah, that's a bad offense. Iowa averaged 17.7. You know that what was announced yesterday, which is, it's still lofty. I mean, that's a 40% increase on points per game in Iowa City. Why do you think they felt the need to make those metrics with Brian Ferentz public yesterday? Well, they they may not have had a choice. Uh, you know, it's, uh, if, it's, if it's built into the contract, really it should be there. You know, and that was true. I think of uh, of Scott Frost's situation last year. If it's written down, uh, then then it's and it's a public university. Uh, it should be it should be public. Um, so you know, 
maybe they knew that uh, Nebraska lost a, a court case on that, which they did, uh, and knew that they could do it. I, I think it's a, it's, it's a framework of accountability uh, for, for him. Uh, it's, a way, it's a way, basically, of Iowa trying to have it both ways and, and, and saying, we're not going to make any changes. But, you know, this guy over here has to, has to do a certain thing in order to keep his contractual money. And then the agreement, you know, if they don't make it, if they don't hit the metric, then, then, the, you know, then, then, then effectively um, the agreement can expire and you can either let somebody go or you can just revert back to whatever you're doing. So if they win, you know, if they, if they go 12 and, and 1 next year and they, and they, you know, they score 24.9 points per game, I think uh, – I think he's going to be just fine. But um, for what it's worth, if, if a coordinator really, if a head coach really wants to score 25 points a game, you can score 25 points a game. You may not win as many games as if you scored 23, if that makes sense. Like, there's ways to score points. It's not, it's not that hard. Um, but it, but it requires you to sacrifice things about your identity uh, if you're Iowa that may make it challenging. So. Um, you know, if, if, if Iowa wants to turn into the kind of defense willing to take more chances mm-hmm. um, and, and you know, creates more opportunities for the offense and, and Brian Fer- uh, Ferentz is, is allowed to open up the offense, then, then they'll probably find some ways to score more points. So you've... Uh, but, you know, go ahead. You made a couple of things here, and so I'm curious. And, and, and Iowa, you know, Iowa and Wisconsin are probably going to get a lot of the, the offseason love to be, you know, the favorite in the West. I mean... They, they lose Campbell, they lose Van Ness, and they lose Moss, but that's going to be their strength. They'll be defense again. Cade McNamara is an upgrade at, at quarterback, and I like what they have in the backfield. I mean, they have Johnson, Williams, and Patterson, and if they're better in the trenches, then they got a you know better shot to be better offensively. But I'm just kind of taking what you said, and maybe this is your feeling, that this isn't all Brian Ferentz with the offense. There's a lot of Kirk that this should be falling on his plate on their struggles on offense over the last uh, six years or so? Yes. I mean, I think they've, they've devised a formula where um, they've kind of decided they're going to be a certain kind of team and they're going to play field position football. They're not going to take too many chances. Uh, they're, going to, they're going to rely on their defense special teams and their offensive job is to, is, is to manage field position and, and not screw up. Now, now obviously, last year was, was not good. Um, you know, you don't want the offense to be that. But there is a big difference between an offense that scores 24.9 points per game and, and what Iowa uh, There is. I mean, that's, that's, a lot of, that's a lot of points and a lot of yards. Iowa's offense is hideous. Uh, so, obviously, they think it needs to get better. Um, I, I'm skeptical as, as to whether it's going to get a ton better. I think Kaden McNamara is an upgrade. But, you know, they don't have a lot of elite wide receivers. You know, yeah. Ferentz talked about having two tight ends, which they will, but they had two tight ends left. So, you know, Eric All probably isn't as good as uh, Sam Laporta, who just left. Mm-hmm. So I don't know what they really added there. Um, I think it's going to be challenging for them. I think the advantage is, if I'm not mistaken, they have weighed Michigan, Ohio State. So there's, yeah. there's two extra wins potentially for them uh, because they don't have to play those two. Yeah, and Sam, you know, one more quick thing on this too. I just remember when we sort of found out the the metrics for Frost to have his previous salary reinstated. You know, it was it was pretty 
I mean, it was pretty average, you know, it's, you know, six wins in, in whatnot. So you're thinking, okay, it's kind of the, the bare minimum of getting to a bowl game. When you think of where Iowa has been and how good that defense has been, as we talked about, but also these types of metrics, how they sort of rank nationally, that would put them, what, 85th amongst uh, 131, uh, you know, Division One FBS teams. In your opinion, what type of message are you not only sending to what has been a very loud majority of fans that wanted to see a change, but also to, just to your own locker room, in your opinion? <laughs> the, the, the second one of those is more interesting to me. Um, I don't think they care that much about their fans. Uh, sure. Their fans, they just don't. They, they've, they've made very few changes, and, and their fans seem to be content enough. They're, they're, they're selling out their games. Um, I, it's a good, it's a good, interesting message to your players. Yeah, um, I'm sure that's you know that's something where the players are like, you know, why can't we score 35? Why can't we score 42? Um, why why are we you know, why are we like that? And and I think that's that's very fair uh, to put to put those metrics in there. You know, players are probably thinking about it, saying, mm-hmm. well, that's not even four touchdowns a game. Yeah. What are we thinking, coach? Um, but you know, he he's been doing it his way now for for a while. And, and he leverages history a lot, talks about uh, previous seasons and things like that. They do get some players to the NFL, so so there you go. I mean, I um, we'll, we'll see what happens with their team. I, I suspect that I would probably put them as the Big Ten West favorite, um, but I did notice that they're going to lose a they're going to lose a top fifteen in the NFL draft player at each level of the defense. So line linebacker. Defensive back, they're going to lose one at each level, and and that won't be easy to replace. I mean, they're 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 going to have to they're going to have to replace those guys, and it won't be easy. Hey, let's uh let's focus now on Matt Rule. So we know that they have gone all in on Texas. I mean, I thought Matt Rule might take a Saturday off, and the next thing I know, he's he's tweeting a picture of him driving by Jerry's World, and he's at the regional clinic uh, for the Texas High School Coaches Association, and then he's got an important member of his off-field staff, is at kind of a similar event in Houston. We know that they attacked the state of Texas during the uh, first go-around in recruiting. What do you think, what what has to be, as much as they've invested in Texas, what, in your opinion, has to be the return on investment to make it worthwhile for the current roster on as much as attention as they put on that state? That's a great question because I think you and I would agree that if we just put a number on it and we just say, well, six players a year, they'll get, they could get six players out yep. um, every year. Uh, it's dependent on who the kind of players are, right? So it's not just numbers because you can get numbers, just like you can, in theory, get numbers out of Nebraska you just offer more kids. Um, so I think it comes down to are you, you know, getting kids out of that region who I would describe as top 150 prospects of the state um, and occasionally getting a top 50. I think this year they got one in Prince Will, uh, Prince Will uh, Uman Yellen. This year, it's, got, it's not going to be easy, okay, because there's, there's, some really, there's some really good teams recruiting there in Texas and Texas A&M uh, take their share. Uh, but I think how many players you get out of there, you know, in that, in that area uh, and, that, and those numbers, can you get alignment that you like? Can you go get a linebacker? Um, you know, can you get a Riley Van Poppel every year? Which I think they will. I mean, I yep. think if you put the time and the effort and the commitment into it, you have two well-known names in Texas, Bob Wager and, and Garrett, Billy Sun, McGuire. 
um, I think you're going to, I think you're going to see players want to come to Nebraska. Um, so I would say, you know, they, they can probably get six a year, uh, but it's got to be six that, uh, that they like. And, and this year's six, there were a couple that were, you know, guys that they're just sort of taking risks on, but there were also guys on that list. Um, you know, uh, Prince will. And, and then I like the tight end they got from Martin, the kid that was probably going to Iowa. Uh, I like yep. him. He, I think he's going to be a potentially very good player at Nebraska. So, uh, they got some players in this class. I'd say six, six each year, uh, with with uh, the caveat of top one hundred and fifty. Sam, with the coaching roster too, you know, you think of I think what thirty nine now total staffers between the position coach, coordinators, and then analysts. Uh, it, you know, it has me kind of looking at the spring and just how everything is going to be done. And I know a lot of these guys are kind of geared around a little bit more recruiting, but when you think of the day to day and how different just each day of spring ball and just every moment going forward, how different that would look compared to some previous years. What do you kind of envision when it does come to that that level of attention to detail that I, I, I think we all would have to anticipate at this point? Well, they've got some they've got some additional administrators that uh, I don't know, they'll probably be on the field. Practice, but they're oversight folks who, mm-hmm. who work with Rule. And, um, but they're going to have a kind of a dedicated defensive quality control group that uh, I think oversees the installation of the defense or helps Tony White with that. Uh, they have three guys from Syracuse, and they won't be coaching on the field, obviously, during practice, but they'll be there. Um, I assume, you know, watching how, how, the, how the system is working. Um, I think they'll have, they have a robust. I don't know what you would describe it as, uh, development, advancement, personnel department. Some of it's recruiting. Some of it is player, you know, uh, player relationship, the bridge between rule and the players, mm-hmm. the bridge between the assistants and the players. My sense is that a lot of the coaches are going to coach the players pretty hard, and so there's probably going to be some, some, uh, some need to kind of talk through some of those things. And so um, – you know, I think they're going to have a large staff that does that. A lot of a lot of guys that are there for that, and then they're going to have uh, a lot of developmental aides. So uh, people who are working with uh, performance and, and with uh, you know, I don't know what the right word is for it. Getting better at the sport of football from a physical standpoint. <laughs> yeah. I think I think uh, Matt Rule is going to take care of the here's how to think about football, and some of his assistants will do that. But I think the they want to have guys that are good at explaining some of the movements that you need and the physicality that you need. Mm-hmm. And then I think they're going to use Adivis, the tackling system, and they may have somebody who helps implement that uh, as well. I don't know. I'll have to ask Rule when we see him again whether they're going to use Adivis. Uh Going back to last week as, as Matt Rule went through his 30 minutes with us and he started to dive into some of the current players that are on the roster – more guys that he's recruited than guys that are currently here. He kind of he kind of got a little bit of a, a little bit of a jolt and a little bit of excitement, and he he wanted to go there, but then was also cautious in building it up too much. What do you think? What what do you think the expectations are for Eric Gilbert? As he talked about his Georgia LSU transfer, we know what he could be. We know what has limited him. What do you think his 23 looks like at Nebraska? Well, I'd like to, I'd like to say with confidence that 
that uh, he's going to have, you know, 25 to 30 catches for 400 to 400 yards. Um, I think that's a that's a work in progress. You know, we're we're going to have to see how it goes with him off the field. Um, you know, at Georgia it was trickier because they have the best tight end in the country, and then they probably have the fifth or sixth best tight end in the country. And so Gilbert was not going to get on the field there. It was going to be hard. When he went to Georgia, they Georgia didn't know that Brock Bowers was going to be as good as he was. Brock Bowers hadn't played a football team yet. So, um, you know, that's something that you learn when you go there. Uh, and so, you know, he didn't have as much of a chance there. He will at Nebraska. Um, so there's going to be a lot of expectations, right? Like they're going to give him every opportunity. And sometimes when you give somebody every opportunity, um, they run with it. Sometimes they feel like, hey, everybody's looking at me. Everybody has all these expectations to me, and I'm not the person I was when I was a freshman at LSU. Um, and so we'll see how that goes. Like, I think certainly the talent is there uh, to be as talented as, as any tight end Nebraska's had, probably since Stephen Carter, uh, and maybe maybe even further back than that. Um, you know, I, Gilbert's, I think, probably a more talented player than Stephen. Uh, but, you know, I think we have to see it. And and same deal with Xavier Betts. I think Betts is another player that's super talented, but we have to we have to see that growth and uh, off the field, and and there needs to be a connection between he and the coach. Um, and the same will be true of, of Gilbert. He needs to be able to connect with with Wager, uh, who's never coached at the collegiate level. Um, and so you know that's that's what we'll be watching. But if he's if he's good to go and he's uh, you know healthy and all the rest, uh, then then I think he and, and Borkircher and Fedoni and, and Hickman can make a pretty good quartet. Sam, a, a guy, you know, kind of going to some of the new faces in any of the transfer portal. I, I know when it came to wide receiver additions, you know, we talked about a little bit more about Billy Kemp and what he comes from with Virginia, but also, you know, Josh Flakes was one of the earlier guys. And I'm curious on, on your thoughts on this. And we discussed it at one point too with that room being so intriguing, some youth there and some guys that are, you know, obviously there's talent there. Is Fleek's role just as important sort of off the field with that group as it would be on the field, in your opinion, just given what he, you know, his age and his experience in college football? I think I think it's important. Yeah, I, I don't anticipate he'll be the number one uh, receiver on the team. I, I think he'll be a guy that can uh, – can obviously work with Garrett, uh, who's basically mm-hmm. best, one of his best friends, uh, and then somebody who can uh, who can maybe help with understanding the standards of rule. Uh, Billy Kemp will too, though. I mean, Kemp, Kemp's a, a highly productive player, very competitive. I think he'll be the guy that um, some of the other receivers follow, along with Marcus Washington. So I think Washington and and, and Kemp and Brown will be the leaders of that room, um, and and I think you'll see uh, and Fleeks too, but. Uh, Kemp's interesting. And can you get a player of that size to be an outside receiver? Rule indicated on signing day that yes, mm-hmm. uh, that that's a player that they're going to use outside. Um, anytime you have a receiver who's that size, size who's playing outside, uh, they have to be pretty dang fast because you have to be able to, you know, get past the corner and, and get get on the other side of it. We've seen that before. Uh, I think Wondell Robinson had some of those skill sets, but. Um, you know, Kemp will be important. Fleeks will be important. They did a really good job of remaking that receiver room. We got to we got to be honest. Um, you know, they have at this point uh, Brown and Washington and Fleeks and Kemp, and then you hope that Betts and Garcia Castaneda give you something. And then I think you've got a really good roster of freshmen. Um, 
two of whom I think could contribute right away. I mean, uh, maybe Malachi Coleman too, uh, but Jaden Goss and Demetri Spell, I think they're both players who can play early. Their weight is there, right? So one of them is 195, one of them is 190. Uh, and then Malachi, you know, shoot, he's, he's got some ability. You know, he's, he can he can run a deep route and catch the ball over people and, and all the rest. It's just a question of whether you want to use one of Malachi's uh, seasons of eligibility on this first season. Is he going to come further, far enough along that, that you want to use him in that role? But uh, I actually think the wide receiver room could be pretty good. Uh, that is better than Iowa. Uh, that is better than Minnesota. I mean, they've, they've got a chance there. And uh, you have to tip your cap to the rule and his staff for doing it. Uh, does Sue get his second, or does Mahomes get his second on Sunday? I think Mahomes gets his second. Um, you know, I think it's – I just – I. it's not that Philadelphia isn't a really good team. I, they're going to have to run the ball a lot, I think, to win the game. They might be able to do that. Um, you know, I think this is uh, – uh, an Eagles team that, that has a lot of good players on it. Uh, but I do think that Mahomes will give Philadelphia's pass rush trouble. They'll be able to buy enough time. They'll be able to get around, move around, make some plays. And then I think it comes down to whether the Eagles can control the ball on off. Can they run it the way that they've run it throughout the season? Uh, can Jalen Hurts get a few plays on his feet and with his feet? And, and if so, then, then maybe the Eagles will win. But I'm going to take, I'm gonna take the, uh, the Chiefs. Uh, 24 to 20. Oh, good stuff. Sam, we appreciate it. Have a great week. All right, take care. And so Sam McEwen of the uh, Omaha World Herald. That'll be the big thing for Philadelphia. Can they get Mahomes on the ground? Because against quarterbacks that scramble, this Philadelphia defense, which has you know a boatload of sacks and is the number one pass defense, when against the scramble, they're 31 in the uh, DVOA. So there you go. So they got to get Mahomes to the ground if they can't. And, his ankle is better. Yeah, I was going to say, is it tweeting? I was a little Any bit uh, was semi-hust yesterday hearing him talk about his ankle. Hmm. That uh, that will uh, play a factor. Kelsey mentioned his back during the latest pod. No, that just yeah. completely disappeared. Yeah, sometimes you just wake up and it's it's all better. So the question is, do you go hat, t-shirt, sweatshirt? Um, oh, you mean for the game? Yeah, your championship, or, or even oh, after. I'm, your... I'm actually going to wear the same thing I wore for the Super Bowl the COVID year was really weird because I, was, it, I wasn't I was feeling it, even though you're like playing the Super Bowl, but it never felt like the Super Bowl. Yeah. So the same thing, the same combo I wore for the Niners game, I will wear on Sunday. Oh, yeah. Okay. I would do the same thing. There, you, you heard it. You heard it here first. Chiefs are going to win. And then if they like they get into a rut, then I'll have to change. I, I, well, yeah, yeah. I change from hoodie to T-shirt, and I change two hats during the AFC Championship game. Well, you are a normal human being. So, yeah, I would. You same have to do I've that. Done the same thing. Yeah. Is that sweatshirt part of it, right there? Uh, no, this oh, okay. is the the separate one. Okay. This is the sweatshirt I wear to games in September. Then I have a heavier one I wear in October and November. Heavier than that? Yeah, it looks like a heavy one. Uh, it's, okay. Yeah, it's, it's kind of light. All right, that's nice. Yeah. So it's resting. I get it. I mean, I, I wore the wrong hoodie to the Liberty Bowl, and KU lost to Arkansas. I mean, you're you're superstitious with your team. Absolutely. I'm uh, ashamed to admit this. Yeah, I'm not. I don't You're know. in a safe space. Water under the bridge. I wore a Rex Grossman jersey for the Bears' most recent Super Bowl. I got it the uh, two days before. Okay. It, was, it was sent to me. I'm not going to fault you. Yeah. And I wore that, and I feel like uh, had I wore maybe I an mean, Erlacher or Hester jersey, maybe I mean, things would have been all, different. We all have our idiosyncrasies when it comes to yeah. rooting for our favorite team. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, Lavi had me convinced I, that Rex here, was our quarterback. Here, we can disagree. Like we're we're disagreeing a lot with Iowa football fans today. There's still plenty of time. It's only February seventh. <laughs> you got plenty of time to come over here. Oh yeah. But you know what? I can't fault you if you have passion. The, the, the Iowa fan that is livid about this, I love you, man, mm-hmm. because you have passion and you want your program to succeed. Yep. If, if we can disagree on what team we root for on Saturdays, Sundays, and every day that ends in Y, but if you have passion for your team, I respect you. Instead of, oh, I didn't know you were, I didn't know they were playing. Like, I will do this on Sundays. If, like, I don't want to make this all Mitch Holtis hour. Let's say the Chiefs are playing in that 325 game. Yeah. And I need to go like to the grocery store or something. Mm-hmm. And I'm in the grocery store at like noon. And there's a football fan there. Like they have their jersey on to their team. And I know they're playing at noon. I almost want to ask, how come you're not watching the Why game? See, I think that too. Yeah. I've gone to Target and I was like, shouldn't you be watching the game? Yeah. I but don't it, understand. But this. if you have passion for your team and you know your team, I, I have great respect because we share we, we we don't share the same like of a team, mm-hmm. but we share the same. That's my team, and I'm ride or die with them. You guys, so are, too, you, so you, you guys, you guys, you guys are too kind. You're giving me a pass for wearing a Grossman when no, I had better you're... options. Even a Lance Briggs one would have been better. Yeah, that's fine. You're, you you still were supporting your team. I was. I was. Right. Little did you know that Rex Grossman would be Rex Grossman in the yeah. Super Bowl. I mean, that was really shock. I think everybody, even Mike Florio, was really surprised. <laughs> he was well. He was bad, Rex. You should have remember his QBR that year. I, I did this exercise. His QBR on its best was phenomenal, but was also like record lows too. You talk about riding a roller coaster. You should have gone with God. the Mike Tomzak jersey. Uh, I never had an eighteen Tomzak. Well, she got a Matsui fullback. There Jim Miller. A Jim Miller. Oh yeah. Bobby Douglas, you could have gone throwback. I should have. You know, I should have just won Gale Sayers. Steve Fuller. Give me a 40. Steve Fuller. <laughs> Vince <laughs> Evans. I'm going way back. Bob Avellini. Why don't we just do some of the most obscure quarterbacks that ever started? In one year, you had both Chad Hutchinson, the pride of Stanford, and <laughs> Craig Krenzel. I could have had two, uh, a home jersey for Krenzel, maybe an away jersey for Hutch. Former Dallas Cowboy great Chad Hutchinson. Chad Hutchinson. Yeah. I had a Palco start once. <laughs> we had a... Uh, Oh, we had a Todd, Tyler Thickpen. We had a Todd Collins start. Yeah, hey, did. there was one season that good old Jimmy Clausen was yeah. supposed to be the guy. See, that just oh, makes you boy. appreciate when you get your quarterback. Mm-hmm. And I, I still, I still have high hopes for Justin Fields. I really do. I really do. I want to see him with stuff around him before I, I get overly concerned. Anyway. Back to the Chiefs and the Eagles. We'll do more Didn't mean to bring you down. Hour. No, no, you're not bringing me down. If anything, you perked hey. him up. He's like, wait, <laughs> no, yeah, we don't hey, have any of so those I guys. Don't, I don't think anybody should apologize for rooting for a team. No, I'm never going to. I'll complain. That day at DJ's, yeah. I saw all but, these different fan but you, bases. But you know what? You care. Well, yeah, I do. Care a lot. That's the that's the team. Out of all the teams I root for, that's the team that I just. It's agonizing because I want so much for them. Don't you guys? Don't you guys have more of appreciation for a Nebraska basketball fan right now? Mm-hmm. Absolutely, hundred percent, hundred percent. I compare them to Kansas football. Program's eleven and thirteen. The head coach might not be back. Yet you see the crowd of, uh, against. Penn it's State. crazy. It's crazy what one win did on Saturday or Sunday against Penn State. Who bubble team? Yeah, but they're not. They're not Purdue. They're not Illinois. No. 
uh, and just yesterday was like just full of optimism. <laughs> and I'm like, I, in certain areas, I don't share your same optimism as a Nebraska basketball fan, but I appreciate that you have passion, that yeah. you still care, <laughs> and 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 you're not afraid to say, yeah, I'm a fan. Right. I care. Right. I want the product to you be never better. Never apologize for that. Yeah. No matter how you go about your criticism or your praise, you never apologize about being a fan because at the end of the day, you want your team to just be better. Yeah. And once you admit that out loud, there'll be some collective calling you going, hey, <laughs> heard you're a fan. I heard you're a fan. <laughs> I don't know if you know about this collective we have, but you could really you show can your fan. Monetize that fandom. <laughs> mornings with Sharp Nanley at 1620 The Zone. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.